No perfect candidates are running for political office because there are no perfect people. But should Christians vote red in upcoming elections? Well, theology and politics collide on this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, and I'm your host, Tim Hall. Now, we are diving deep into the waters of politics today, and we would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So please leave us a comment on this video on our YouTube channel. And while you're there, please like this video and subscribe if you are a Christian looking to defend your Christian worldview. It's completely free and really helps us out. Well, with over 80% of evangelical Christians voting for Trump in 2016 and a majority still supporting him in 2020, it seems that we need to start with Donald Trump. Maybe the best place to start is his most significant moment of his presidency, January 6th. Bobby, how did the January 6th riots affect Christians' political stance? It didn't paint uh, Donald Trump, obviously, in good light, and nor did it paint uh, the Republican Party in good light. Uh, pictures of Donald Trump, obviously, holding a Bible and, uh, you know, gassing people along the way uh, didn't look good. Uh, I, I think that, uh, as I've heard you say it before, uh, it's a moment that we can decry as Christians uh, that took place. And many people, uh, you know, charging uh, you know, the court on that day with Bibles in their hand and crosses in their hands. Uh, this just didn't go over the best. And it made our country uh, more divided than it already was. We are experiencing tremendous tensions already at that time on a national level. Uh, you know, we had some of the various uh, race riots that were popping up with Black Lives Matters movement. We had uh, COVID lockdowns. Uh, people were distressed. Uh, you know, the Democrats wanted to find relief uh, out of uh, Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, there were those who were all for another MAGA four years, and uh, they were quick to see him uh, become president again. But that moment then even took some people who were for him and they found themselves pulling back. So Donald Trump was a controversial figure for lots of people who even voted for him in that he was seen to be arrogant, uh, not very tactful in the way that he would speak. And so his words got him into a lot of trouble. And so when January 6th arrived, for many people who were in the uh, Republican Party, uh, that day sort of caused them to push pause and they backed off and it served to further divide our country. So for me, um, I have no problem recognizing that that was an unfortunate day uh, on the American landscape. 
Yeah, again, I would completely agree. I mean, I would decry January 6th and even this, the whole notion of the big lie leading up to that. I mean, you had Bill Barr, who was the attorney general. I got to read his book. It's it's a really great book. But even he was, you know, saying to Donald Trump in meetings, uh, this is completely crazy. And so I I think just that whole scenario that, you know, from the election to January 6th and kind of that whole uh, time frame was just a, a real disappointment kind of in American politics and uh, for the person and character of Trump. But but I guess that leads to my next question is, uh, mm-hmm. in light of that, uh, why should Christians think twice before voting Democrat? You know, this is a, um, a, a question that I know that you're getting into some pretty sacred territory for people. And I would like to set it up by saying, you know, I served... Uh, as a pastor in the last church I was at for 14 years, uh, I never talked about political parties. I always would say this, that there's enough obstacles uh, with Christianity just getting, uh, you know, to the cross, right? And recognizing the gospel uh, without bringing up political parties. Uh, what has happened, Tim, as a Christian apologist who has tried very hard to uh, you know, not talk about parties, but just talk about uh, values. Uh, what I realize is the Democratic Party has shifted so far to the left that it's become so at odds with the Bible and the moral standards and principles by which we see in the scriptures that for me, I can no longer just stay silent on it. So there was a time in our country where the Democratic and Republican parties, uh, they were a lot closer together. Uh, It has become so much of a great moral chasm now um, in the last several years, in particular uh, with Obergefell and legalization of same-sex marriage and everything that's began to happen since that spot. It's been very challenging. Uh, and we see that the statement, you know, God's not a Democrat or Republican. Well, that's true. And that's true. Regardless of whatever country you live in, God's not uh, a party person on either one of those sides. Right. But it's not true to say that these are equally moral parties mm. uh, that uh, in the sense that that they represent the Bible the same way. Uh, I'm not saying that Republicans aren't corrupt. Uh, I think that uh, we have lots of um, corrupt politicians, Democrat and Republican alike. And it's unfortunate. And one of the things that I would say can cause that is these are people who are trying to run for office and an office means that you're given power. So politics can draw power people and power people can say, whatever they feel like they need to say to obtain the vote that they want to get. And that can become very dangerous. And it requires a certain kind of person with ethos to make sure that they don't compromise. So when it comes to where we are today, the Democratic Party is entirely uh, or completely more liberal as it relates to abortion, the LGBTQ plus, they want to limit religious freedoms. It's big government in the way that it operates. Uh, You think about the liberal education for children and the obsession with 
particular pronouns that are being, uh, you know, uh, put on our culture. Uh, you know, all of this has led to such debauchery that I think as Christians, uh, it's become clear for us that we can't stand on the side of this party uh, and say that, you know, it doesn't really matter. At at that point, we're just so out of tune with what the Bible would teach as it relates to, uh, you know, God favoring life. Therefore, we can't be pro-choice or God's desiring sex between a man and a woman in the context of marriage and God's desire for sexual purity uh, and God's desire for, uh, you know, us to be able to have the freedom to teach and disciple our children. This is a problem on so many fronts. And I think this should give us many red flags. Yeah. And I think part of this conversation, I think, comes down to like, what is the role of government? What is the role of the church? What is the role of the family? And what kind of things fall into those different categories of responsibility? And so we can, I think as Christians, we can say that, yes, we affirm uh, feeding the poor. We think that's a really good thing. But then the question becomes, is that something that the government should be responsible for? Uh, and and so how, how would you, you know, just kind of play that out a little bit. What do you think kind of the role of government is versus the role of the church versus the role of family? Just talk to us a little bit about that in the context of thinking about who we're voting for. It's really difficult because, again, on uh, on the, the left, it's become very much of a, you know, it is a big government uh, entity, but you can see them wanting to take more ground as it relates to uh, quieting uh, religious freedom. Um, You think with COVID, what happened with, you know, different churches who were being, uh, you know, uh, issued fines uh, and punishments and citations uh, for not complying uh, with you know, the big government plan of how everybody was to operate, you know, at first that sounded good, but when you're two years out and we're still talking about quarantining, uh, you know, people started getting fed up with it and it started looking like an overreach. So when it comes to limiting the church and its voice, and even what you're seeing in Canada, I think you're going to be seeing more in the States or as you're seeing in the UK, uh, if pastors talk about homosexuality, uh, you know, the way that the left is operating right now, they're going to want to silence you and, uh, you know, remove your 501c3 status. And, uh, you know, potentially there'll be a a punishment uh, that will uh, come to people for that. You have uh, the family then, and look what's happening in the public schools. Uh, The teachers are trying to present our kids' information as it relates to figuring out what their gender pronoun is. Um, kids can get pregnant in certain states. And, hey, let's not worry about telling your mom and dad. Or if you want to go through a sex change, we can offer you certain hormones to help, uh, you know, hormone drugs to help you go through the transition. And so the, here you have government and education taking over 
the role that has been given to parents and the role that has been given to churches to instruct people. And so when you start seeing this kind of a power grab, we need to speak up and and we need to say, uh, this is too much. And this is the kind of culture that we're now living in. We are literally living in the midst of a moral revolution, Tim, Um, like the Age of Enlightenment or the Renaissance. Those have been named significant transition periods or like the Reformation. Um, We don't have a title yet for what we're experiencing. But if you were to fast forward 200, 300 years from now and Jesus had tarried, this will be a a branded, uh, you know, there's a revolution that's taking place and it's impacting us on a government level, on an education level. Uh, you can even watch Netflix and you can see just how much more morally egregious, um, you know, Hulu and Netflix and Apple TV is becoming. So this is not the time for us as Christians to stick our head in the sand. We need to be aware that we have a voice and we need to speak up. No, I think that that that's excellent. I do want to read a quote from uh, Elon Musk. So this is Elon Musk speaking here. Is he said in the past I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party, uh, but they have become the party of division and hate, and so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. And I think that is a growing um, sentiment in in our culture that the Democrats particularly have this uh, view of them that they are the the party of kindness and they are the party of the people and they kind of want to do the right thing for folks. But as you've pointed out in several different examples, they have kind of moved much further. Uh, and I will point to a book called Who Really Cares. It's a, a fantastic book written by. Uh, somebody that was con- that considered themselves on the left, and when they actually did the research about who gives to charities, who supports people uh, that are in poverty, it, it was largely the people that voted Democrat. But it was again, it was the majority were Christians that were the ones that were really caring. Uh, oftentimes, you know, liberals and then you know to the left side, they would abnegate their responsibility of kindness to the state. They would say, yes, I want to increase taxes to uh, continue to have you know, welfare for the poor. And they would think that that was them doing their duty of being kind to their fellow Americans. Uh, so I, I want to ask this question. Uh, what do you think Christians need to remember specifically before they enter the voting booth uh, now and in the future? Yeah, that's an important question for us to consider. And uh, before I answer that, I would just say uh, that is such a um, a good point, Tim. As you were talking right there, the situation that that we're living in is a culture. Uh, we cannot underestimate the importance of making sure that. You know, we express our values, uh, but the Democratic Party being the party of being nice, so to speak, and seeming to have the benefit for us. I mean, you just think about all of these um, tax or excuse me, uh, uh, what, what what's the word I'm thinking about these refunds or whatever during COVID yeah, we were getting these yeah. checks the stimulus yeah thank yeah. you uh, 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 brain lapse you had these stimulus checks that were going out and we had I think three of them or something like that yeah well I mean we're we're paying for those right now in inflation it's like I'd rather them kept the the stimulus checks I mean look what's happening right now in the name of this kindness the, in the name of getting some of these um, you know checks. And so I know that, you know, Trump was, you know, a part of the initial uh, handout on all that. So, you know, that would be one argument that people could easily say, well, hey, the Republicans give stimulus, too. And I get it. People had a need and we should be thankful that that 
can be met, but there'll come a point where we can pass so much out that we can't basically dig ourselves out of, you know, the problem that we're in. Now, when we go into a voting booth, it's uh, crucial that we have some things in mind. Number one, uh, you want to remember that we're voting principle over person. So sometimes people get um, drawn by a personality. Uh, if it's the Republicans, they'll get wooed by a Donald Trump. If it's Democrats, they'll get wooed by a Barack Obama. Uh, we have to stay objective and listen to the principles by which this person leads and what are the types of policies this person is promising to put in place. So, for example, while I could recognize that Trump had many weaknesses and, uh, you know, I would be one of those ones personally, I don't see it being the best for the, the country to have Trump run for president. Again, I know most people would think that as Republicans, but I just see us going back and forth from uh, one person who's kind of radical to another person who's radical. I wish we could find somebody who could start helping us build a bridge together instead of us just, you know, having to do constant cleanup work and react from one four-year term to the next. Right. Nevertheless, um, we need to know what policies people are promising. And I was thankful that he put some conservative Supreme Court justices in place, which would help with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So we need to remember to vote principle over par uh personality. We need to be aware of the the issues, as I said, that they hold to. We need to remember that there's no perfect candidate. So that uh, would cause us to say, I'm not just going to shut down and not vote at all. No candidate is going to be a perfect embodiment of everything that we value. So at times it will feel like maybe the, the lesser between two evils. So take, for example, uh, am I saying that if we shouldn't vote for uh, the Democratic Party as it is now, that we should vote for uh, Republicans then? Um, well, I, I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm somebody who is an independent. Uh, I would also want to go on record and say, I'm not saying that uh, you know, you're not you're a Christian if you go and vote Democrat. I'm saying we're not voting Christianly yeah. if we vote Democrat, given how immoral the parties become. But then you have a choice to make. Um, you know, what are you going to do? You're just not going to vote because you don't like the Republican either. Uh, well, look at it like this. Th there are some people who, when it comes to abortion, for example, they want all or nothing. So uh, you either you get rid of all abortion, 100 percent. Or I'm not going to vote for anything, even if it means eliminating many abortions. Well, I would say, what if you've got one party that's basically for abortion, uh, you know, without hardly any boundaries whatsoever, the, the Democrats, but then let's say you have a Republican uh, that's running and he is for it in maybe just two scenarios. Uh, in the instance where a mother was raped, and in the instant war, the baby's uh, not going to survive and the mother's health is at risk. Now, for me, um, you know, I, I think that we could tighten up morally even more. I wouldn't want to see abortion um, for any situation unless it was for the ectoptic situation where the mother was going to die because the baby was growing out of the uterus. But that said, should I not still vote for this person where it's going to be dramatically better for our culture as a whole than going with the Democrat. That's going to just 
propel it the way it is. So these are the kind of situations where we should take what's best because we're not going to have what's ultimately uh, perfect until we get to heaven. So those are just some things. We need to pray for candidates, Tim, before we go into the voting booth. Uh, those are the types of things that we need to be thinking about. Uh, and then ultimately, we need to remember that our hope is not in government. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think that is great. And I think that's one thing that we need to carry into kind of the this Christian nationalism conversation. Now, I have done my best to understand this kind of conflict or understand what Christian nationalism is. And I'll be honest, it's yeah. hard because there really isn't a single unified definition. I was watching a panel of some scholars talking about Christian nationalism, and it was clear from watching the panel that none of these people, uh, you know, were were, were uh, Christian in in the sense that I understood it to be. Um, and, and so again, I'm not not talking about their salvation, but they were talking about things that uh, one lady, it was really funny, she was expressing her uh, discontent over pastors getting together and talking about uh, ways that they can vote policies that they would approve of. And she talked about that in a very negative way. And as I was listening, I was thinking like, well, that's good. I think pastors should be having those kind of conversations with each other and with some of their people in their congregation. Again, they weren't stumping for specific candidates, but they were talking about specific policies like you were just mentioning. Uh, and I thought that was good. And she made it seem like that that was bad. So is there a healthy way to view Christian nationalism? Uh, how would we define Christian nationalism? Maybe we have a few remaining minutes. Let's try to dive yeah. into these deep waters, realizing that this is a very deep subject and we're not going to resolve it here in the next few minutes at the end of the show. I mean, obviously, the way that it gets used in an abusive way is when we're trying to create a theocracy. Mm. And that was, you know, uh, in the old, under the old covenant, and that will be uh, when Jesus comes again. Right now, uh, Christian nationalism should not mean that we're trying to create a theocracy. Uh, we should celebrate uh, religious freedoms, not just for ourselves, but for others. That's part of what makes our nation great. Um, but besides Christian nationalism, I would just say, you could drop the term even Christian, just say nationalism. Like, should we not have a healthy sense of gratitude for um, those who shed their blood for our country. Now, some people can retort and think, yeah, but, you know, there, there was a lot of bad things that happened at the beginning of our country. And I would agree. And this is why it gets messy and we could have another conversation. What happened with the Africans being brought to American enslaved? What happened with American uh, uh, Indians it is horrific. But as it as we think about, you know, people who shed their blood for our freedom and the cost like that went down, we can be thankful for that. And we can be thankful for the, the government that we have to be able to exist together uh, and to be able to enjoy each other's freedoms. I, I'm saddened because I don't sense a lot of Christian nationalism. A lot of healthy patriotism is a good thing, Tim, but I just don't feel all that proud of our country right now. But we shouldn't give up on our country. But that should just be kept in check. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy sense of patriotism uh, for our country. In fact, we should have that. Uh, but that shouldn't mean that we try to impose our religious beliefs on others any more than we want people imposing their beliefs on us. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to remember the you know Philippians three uh, twenty and twenty one that our citizenship is in heaven, and that's right. It, we await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. I think that's an important piece for us to remember. Uh, any final closing thoughts on Christian nationalism or uh, how we should vote here coming up in this future elections? You know, I think we should vote, Tim, because some people will check out and I can feel that temptation. Uh, you know, maybe I'm just not going to vote because I'm an independent. Um, but I feel like we should look at what are the policies uh, that are most in line with Scripture uh, that candidates are professing to, uh, you know, abide by. And yeah. we should vote in that way. I think as we uh, sit from this place it, here in 2022, there's a question worth asking, is there any hope uh, for our country to be unified again? And I would say, I sure hope so. Uh, but I think that we're very divided because social media has got us uh, in our silos. Uh, algorithms are just reinforcing our political beliefs. We're becoming more separate from each other. Mm-hmm. But Lord willing, with a good Christian awakening in our country, the church waking up, we could see some reformation. Uh, or there could even be a third middle party emerge at some point to help bring about some unity. My last thought would be this, Tim. Those who say we shouldn't talk about politics, um, why is it that we can talk about science? Why is it that we can talk about art? Why is it we can talk about entertainment? But then all of a sudden, when it comes to politics, uh, we can't talk about it. I think that's really silly to say, you can talk about any other topics, but just don't talk about this kind of one area that's going to influence how we all have to live. No, I don't think that's the case. No, that, that's an excellent point. Well, uh, thank you so much, Bobby, for your insight on this. Uh, again, yeah. if you agree with some of what we said, we would love to hear from you. If you disagree with some of what we said, we would love to hear from you in the comment section of this video on our YouTube channel. While you're there, uh, like this video, subscribe, share it with your network. That really helps us out. And again, we scratched the surface. So there may be more episodes that we can do on this. If you want us to talk about something specific on an unapologetic episode that we kind of just uh, you know touched on a little bit today, please let us know in the comments of this video. And with that, we will meet you next time on The Unapologetic Show. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.